everybody. Welcome back to another episode. Yes, another episode of the Crypto 101 podcast going on something like 400 and something. Uh, We've been having a ton of fun. Uh, I'm your host, Bryce Paul, as you guys know. And, uh, you know, we're always excited about, uh, you know, DeFi and investing in crypto. Uh, And we've brought on a tremendous, tremendous guest today. Uh, Rob Frasca of Cosmo Ventures is a phenomenal he's got a phenomenal background we're going to dive into it but not only uh, is he a, you know a graduate of carnegie mellon uh with a master's in business not only is he the managing director of this massive crypto fund but he was also a u.s navy pilot uh and did some tours in iraq so uh we're going to dive into a whole bunch of stuff but first rob welcome to the show and thanks for joining me thanks for having me bryce it's thrilled to be here yeah, I mean, I don't even know where to start. I think, you know, for our listeners at home, uh, it's always it's always best just to get acquainted first. So, so Rob, tell us a little bit about your background and how you kind of, you know, found your way into this crazy corner of economics and investing that we call cryptocurrency. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like I said, I'm thrilled to be here. I'm a formal uh, Navy pilot, flew in the first Gulf War, Desert Storm. I was actually at Carnegie Mellon back in the 90s, get my MBA. And uh, when I was 29 years old, uh, I actually started the very first financial service on the internet. First stock quote server, first mutual fund site, wow. Charles Schwab on the net, over 100 financial institutions. I mean, this was back in the day where I used to, you know, go on my meetings to all these financial institutions and I'd have to explain what WWW meant. Right. And it sounds like my my world right now, trying to explain to people. That's right. That's right. So, you know, so I've been I've been a serial entrepreneur. I've done a bunch of companies Uh, that that company that I started back in the 90s wound up becoming Quicken Financial Network. It was acquired by Intuit. I did another one, which was a dot com, um, which was acquired by Lycos. Most people don't even remember Lycos. Uh, You know, it was around with with Yahoo, number two portal. Uh, and we took that company public and then later sold it to Telefonica. I did an, I've done a bunch of others uh, and I've been building companies uh, now for almost 30 years. And now I run a, a venture capital firm and I am all in uh, on blockchain and crypto, all in. And when you say you're all in, uh, you know, I, for, for instance, myself, you know, I, you know, we started these companies and I'm excited about blockchain and I'm all in as well, but, but what got you to that point? You know, everybody has a different story. Some people are attracted to the philosophy of it. Some people are attracted to just the asymmetric return profile. There's a lot of different reasons people kind of find themselves here, but what's it to you? So, so I, you know, my partners and I, where there's four of us, uh, I'm one of the co-founders and Karan Hines is another co-founder. We've got an office in Dublin. We're all serial entrepreneurs. We've all built companies throughout the years. And one of the things we always say to each other is, man, I've seen this movie before. Uh, Number one, number two, I've been in this movie before. (laughs) And number three, I know how it ends. Uh, And so when you when you think about uh, blockchain, really, what you have to do is almost think about the internet, right? What the internet really did was network our world, it made it all peer to peer, it decentralized it. And the first part of the internet was really about the decentralization of content. Right. When I grew up as a kid, I'm in my 50s. When I grew up in a kid, as a kid, we had ABC, NBC, CBS, and PBS, four channels. That's it. 
And now we get it everywhere. Everybody is a content producer, right? What, what happened? The internet did that. The network, the peer-to-peer network did that, right? That was kind of phase one. Phase two was really, we did that with communication. Now, all of a sudden, I can have a video call with you and I can talk to anybody in the world and the cost is the marginal cost of the internet. Why? Because of the internet. And then phase three was kind of what I call the decentralization or the peer-to-peer of commerce. Anybody can sell anything to anybody. And so each one of those things that happened kind of revolutionized the world. It disrupted the world. It created trillions of dollars in value. But the one thing that's still centralized in our life is trust, right? If I don't know you, Bryce, and you don't know me, and we want to have a transaction, what do we do? We use kind of a central middleman of trust, a bank or a broker or somebody who we trust. Society, all society is built on this kind of central trust infrastructure. And what blockchain does is replace that central trust thing with the network. It allows the network to clear the trade. And this is massive. Like I always say all the time, this is the single largest value creation event in our lifetime. And the reason is, is because what it does is it builds on these other things that we just decentralized and it's the value layer. And so now all of a sudden, all these kinds of concepts and institutions of trust and clearing and trading, all of that gets replaced with this new blockchain technology. So that's when I say I'm all in, I'm an investor in that space. And this is the early days. Like it's, you know, it's the first inning. In fact, you you could even say maybe it's the first. They're still singing the national anthem. They're still singing that, exactly. And so, you know, it's so early that, you know, we, we tend to get really focused on, oh my God, the crypto market's down, it's crypto winner, it's up, it's down, it's up and down. And, and really, those ups and downs really don't mean anything when you're so early in the game, right? Um, it's noise. It's noise. It really is. It, and now, a lot of people lose money, a lot of people gain money, but it's still noise. Yeah. Now, I think a lot of, you know, there, there's lots of different qualities of blockchains. For instance, you know, Bitcoin's the most robust, most secure. It's public. Yeah. It's you know decentralized. It costs a few billion dollars to attack every minute or so. So, you know, it's a super secure one. Now, there's other blockchains that are, you know, just spun up, uh, you know, randomly. They're they're not civil resistant. They've got all sorts of, you know, hacks and holes and stuff. And so, you know, when when you're thinking about making an investment into this space, how do you kind of qualify uh, and uh, basically, you know, decide, okay, this is an investable blockchain and this is definitely not? Sure. So there's a couple of there's a couple of thoughts uh, that I want to uh, kind of share, um, and it, it it I love Bitcoin, right? Bitcoin is uh, 45 to 50 percent of the overall market, depending on what day you look at it. It's the first out there. It's the most resilient. It's the most secure, and it really is the proof point of of what blockchain represents. However, it's still the first inning. And so what, what does an entrepreneur do? What, a, what an entrepreneur does is, there, you know, there's two kinds of people in the world, right? There are entrepreneurs and there's everybody else. And the difference between an entrepreneur, what an entrepreneur does is when they see a problem, what do they do? They, they call it, what do they call it? What does an entrepreneur call a problem? A dilemma. An opportunity. An opportunity. Ah. Okay. Because if they solve the problem, they create value and they're the first to create the value and they win. 
So that's what an entrepreneur does. And as an investor, what you want to do is you want to invest in somebody who sees what? Opportunities, mm-hmm. who solves world's problems, who creates value. The rest of us just say, well, why doesn't that work? Right. Uh, and, 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 and we decide when or, when or not we're going to use something. So, so when I, when I look at an early market, um, it's hard not to, it's, it's hard to say, well, will Bitcoin be the winner? Who knows? Right. You know, Google, Google was the, what, the 12th, 13th, 15th search engine to enter the market. When I, when I, when I was running Lycos uh, with Bob Davis, he was the CEO. We were the number two portal at the time. Uh, Google wasn't even a, out there yet. And now they're the clear winner, right? And so it's really hard to predict how a market is going to unfold and how is it going to grow. Now, obviously, like I said, huge holder of Bitcoin and a big believer. I'm not poo-pooing it. But what I'm saying is, is that there's a lot of opportunity now for investors to think about what are the ancillary, what are the problems that need to be solved? So what we've done as a company and as a group of investors is we've kind of segmented the market into a variety of different areas. And and then we look to take bets or we make investments in each of those areas from maybe the core infrastructure, right? How do we make blockchains more secure, more private, faster, more final? to perhaps maybe the NFT market, which is really digital rights management, which is a whole new use case. DeFi, which is a whole nother use case of how do we take finance as we know it, completely put it on the blockchain, to actually Web3. How do we think about social networks and video games and metaverses and how does blockchain play a role in that? And, and, And then what we try to do is really understand Where's the market? Where's the problem? Where's the opportunity? And then where is there a really good set of entrepreneurs uh, to back? Because at the end of the day, what you're really backing is the team. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. And I love your point about how many different verticals that cryptocurrency kind of touches, whether it's supply chain or banking and X, Y, and Z. Is there, you know, even digital rights management, which it's funny, you know, a lot of people have come on the show and talked about NFTs, but they've never phrased it just like that, that NFTs are digital rights management, which it is, which is, you know, it's, it's a, it's a novel concept and a a very concise way of putting it. But is there any one sector that maybe uh, Cosmo X is investing in that you think, you know, maybe has the, the most short term potential that has, uh, you know, most opportunity uh, in the short term. I, I kind of personally think it's DeFi. Um, I think the NFTs as well. Um, but I still think a lot of the Web3, the de- decentralized identity, that's the long tail stuff that's going to be here maybe in 10 years. Um, but, but how do you kind of think about uh, I, I would agree with you, Bryce. I would agree. Web, you know, when you, when you, when you really look at it from, time, from a timing, if you were to look at it from a timing perspective, right, certain things are more important sooner, right? So for instance, you know, you're going you're gonna to make bets on infrastructure on the layer zero, layer one, layer two, core infrastructure way before you're going to invest on web three because the web three needs the infrastructure to prevail. Right. Mm-hmm. So you tend to be, there are more companies doing infrastructure than they are doing web three and web three is much more early than, than infrastructure is for us. Um, you know, a lot, we have a lot of bets in kind of, you know, the layer in the, in the infrastructure Casper labs is a uh, Casper. We love those guys. We're in early, uh, Hedera, HBAR, 
uh, Hashcraft. We love the, you know, what's, what's going on there. Uh, Endow, which is a, a long-term store of value. We're pretty excited about it's one of those currencies that uh, has a super high yield. Not a lot of people have heard of yet. Hmm. Uh, so we're really into, you know, that core infrastructure. We're now starting to make bets in the NFT space. Uh, we did Wombat, uh, which is in gaming. We did Token Tracks, uh, which is all about music. And then we did this little company called BZ, which is actually creating forges uh, for various organizations. It's more on the royalty rights infrastructure part of NFT. Uh, and then DeFi. Uh, DeFi, I think, is uh, super early but uh, going to be absolutely uh, massive. Uh, and we're spending a lot of time uh, on the DeFi uh, side uh, as well. You know, how does, you know, from your perspective, how do these deals kind of come together? Is it that you guys have a team that goes out and you pursue them, you get syndicated, uh, you know, offers, you know, or they, they seek you out? How does it kind of work from a from that perspective? Yeah, we, we actually so we created a tokenized venture fund, which is pretty cool. What, what that means is, is that, uh, you know, most venture capital funds, uh, a normal person or a high net worth guy really can't get into venture funds, right? They have to write a minimum big check. You have to get accredited. Family office accredited, all this kind of stuff. What we did was we took our fund and created shares where you can literally go online, do your KYC, AML, all your accreditation and literally buy into the fund, which is kind of cool. Uh, Cosmo X. And it's mostly, it's, it's global, it's international. So it's not just U, U.S. investors. Uh, and so we think that the, the whole concept of tokenization of assets and securities is in itself a huge benefit to people uh, who, uh, you know, who are out there. And ultimately, uh, it's really about delivering alpha, uh, blockchain alpha to, uh, you know, to the investors that are out there. How do you, you know, I would say a, a four letter word in, in crypto is kind of like you know, regulation, right? Because it always, you know, provides a lot of FUD and just basically lack of clarity because you have all these different regulatory bodies and all sure. these different countries all saying something else, right? And they all want their own piece. And so as yeah. a person like yourself, who's, you know, running a, a tokenized fund, how do you kind of think about regulation and maybe even your outlook for the next 18 months? Yes. Yeah, so, so I'm, I'm a big fan of regulation. I'm a big fan of compliance. The way I think of regulation is that it's kind of, those are kind of like guardrails. So if I'm on a, if I'm on a mountain road and I've got my bus and I'm driving down the mountain road, right. And it's a real curvy road. I want to make sure that I can go faster if there are guardrails, right. And I can get to where I'm going if there are guardrails. So every time uh, regulators come out with a little bit of clarity, what happens is, is it overall reduces risk in the market and more capital floods into the market. And so for me, I look at every bit of regulation that comes on, makes it easier, safer, and more uh, available to the mainstream market. We're still in that kind of early adopter, early majority phase of the market. You know, that famous Crossing the Chasm book by yeah. Moore, you know, that product, I'm, I'm a Carnegie Mellon guy, you know, bastion of geekery kind of thing, you know, product <laughs> diffusion theory, right? How, how are products adopted, right? And, you know, we go from this kind of visionary early adopter to mainstream majority. Well, regulation is a key part of that. The more regulation that we have, the more people are going to be comfortable, the more people jump into the market, the bigger the market there is, the more value is created. 
So for me, I, I, you know, I think that, um, you know, the regulation is, is much better than it was, uh, a year ago, two years ago, and will continue to be, uh, better, uh, going, uh, going forward. Yeah, there's, uh, there's, you know, definitely a need for it. And I'm, I'm a huge proponent of it as well. And, you know, they, uh, there was a, the recent big kind of, um, call it collapse in crypto it was kind of like, you know, crypto's little Enron moment, if you will, with the yeah. Luna and yeah. the UST token completely coming on, Un- you know, just unraveling yes. and li- literally over the course of 72 hours, losing about 50 billion dollars of, of right. market value. And so that's going to draw the the eye of any regulator. It did, uh, you know, they've already been talking about it in Congress and, and uh, or, you know, something I've heard, uh, you know, some politicians speaking about it. Um, and I hear in South Korea, they're trying to bring the, the those guys who started that project in for questioning all sorts of stuff. And so, you know, events like this will catalyze massive losses, but also, you know, with every you know phase of destruction, new life is born, right? It's that that kind of rotation. By now, you've probably all heard about cryptocurrencies. Uh, you might already be investing in them, but did you know that you can invest in cryptocurrencies through your retirement account? Okay, yeah, that's exactly right. With iTrust Capital, you can buy and sell cryptocurrencies from a crypto IRA and get the same tax advantages as a traditional. IRA. So iTrust Capital allows you to invest in over two dozen of the most popular cryptocurrencies. And unlike the stock market, you can buy and sell 24 hours a day. So the iTrust Capital platform, it's super easy to use, and it only really takes a few minutes to create your account. And setting up an IRA with them is free, and iTrust has no account opening fees and no monthly fees. So look, it's time to start taking back control of your financial future. And with iTrust Capital, you can get all the tax benefits of a retirement account while investing in crypto. So sign up today and receive a $100 funding bonus when you open and fund an account. Just visit itrust.capital/crypto101 to start investing today. Again, that's itrust.capital slash crypto 101 taxes and conditions apply fees apply cryptocurrencies are a speculative investment with risk of loss i trust capital incorporated does not provide legal investment or tax advice and please consult with a qualified legal investment or tax professional all right on to the show i think that one of the things that we saw with this uh this under collateralized uh, stablecoin kind of just unraveling is that, hey, guess what? There's a lot of collateralized stablecoins, over collateralized. So there's better opportunities and more money is going to flow into there. Um, right. And so there's there's a whole rotation. Are you seeing some of this? Yeah, I, I, absolutely. And I think, I think again, problem equals opportunity from right. my perspective, right? And, and these are big, these are very, these are very uh, big experimental moments. This technology and what we're doing here can really change society. And it can allow us to do things that are really um, groundbreaking. And quite frankly, it can allow us to do things that are quite dangerous as well. And, you know, are almost like a pinata, right? If you hit them the right way, all the candy falls out, Mm. you know? So I think we're going to learn a lot from a, um, from this, and um, I think regulation is key. And and overall, we're going to wind up uh, in in a in a better place. Again, it's early. It's like the early days of the internet. 
In the early yeah. days of the internet, I used to go around and people were like, I would never, you know, put my name, my real name on the internet, or I would never do banking on the internet. Are you kidding me? Right. And now where we are, where are we? So yeah. it's just an evolution and, and you just have to be, uh, I, I think, patient with it. And ultimately really let's look at the value here. You know, more than 50% of the world is unbanked. More than 50% of the world does not have a bank account, That's but phenomenal. it's phenomenal. It's nuts. But which means what, what does that mean? That means if you don't have a bank. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Account, You're not really part of the overall global economy. You are, but not. Okay. Whereas what's the, what's the percentage of population estimated to have a mobile phone? Probably. for you. Yeah, a lot. It's, it's, it's a lot more, okay? Mm-hmm. It's estimated anywhere from 65 to 80% of the global population has a mobile phone. Well, if with blockchain, if I've got one of these, guess what? I'm banked. Yeah. So, so to now, that point, my friend uh, just got back from a, a trip to Africa, and he said he was just blown away. He would walk through these villages, and they wouldn't have like a ton of food. They wouldn't have a ton of stuff. They weren't working, but they all had smartphones. And he goes, "I." It was just the most trippy thing to experience because he goes, "I never knew that." And then we looked at the stats, and yeah, sixty-five to eighty. So, so you know, so with blockchain now, those people are part of this global economy. Mm-hmm. They can earn a living. They can sell things. They can move money around. They can get credit value. They can get credit exactly. Yeah. And so that if that's not profound, I, I don't know what is, you know, I, I hear about people. Oh, you know, uh, ESG, environmental sustainability governance. And I know, think a lot of that's going to be going out the window, especially I, with personally. I think the single biggest societal benefit is blockchain, hmm. because what you're doing is you're allowing anybody with a mobile phone to participate. Yeah. And that's 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 huge. Now, what what's kind of your take on uh, like how these networks really grow and it, you know, the incentive is uh, incentive mechanisms in order to bring new users on. And I'll preface it with, you know, DeFi had a really novel mechanism and it was liquidity mining. And, you know, anybody could kind of, you know, throw their capital in here and they could, you know, get a yield and they get these new tokens, but 
it was not sustainable. Um, you know, everybody would just kind of dump these tokens after, you know, kind of yield farming them. Uh, you know, some play to earn games had similar mechanisms that, you know, kind of resulted in speculative bubbles and booms and busts. Is there a sort of, you know, more organic way to, to accrue users on some of these blockchains? So, so this is an, this is a fabulous, uh, this is a fabulous question. And it's an important question that people need to understand is that a lot of times when, when, when I talk to people, they say, oh, well, you know, what is that currency or what's that project or what are they trying to do? And are they really worth that? And how valuable are they? And I think that the, that what you have to, if you're new to this, what you have to truly understand is, is that what we're building here is net, our networks. Every one of these currencies represent the payment rails of a network. Okay, that's what we're building. Okay, so if you remember in the beginning when I said the old model is what? A central institution of trust. Mm -hmm. If I don't know you, you don't know me, we use a bank. Well, what's the business model? The business model is, is that that one entity gets paid and how do they get paid? They get a cut of the transaction to do what? Provide the trust. In this new model, there's no central institution anymore. It's everybody on the network. So how do you pay everybody on the network to provide consensus or trust? You have a currency and you use that currency to provide, to pay out people and incentivize people to provide trust. And that so was the, the, the kind of the beginnings right? of Bitcoin mining, That's, right? Exactly. And now it's proof of stake. The mm -hmm. real yield model is not liquidity pools. The real yield model is running a node or staking to a node and mm -hmm. taking yield out for doing that. Yeah. Because what do I have to do? I got to put my money where my mouth is and stake my reputation for trust. If I do something nefarious, what do I do? I get slashed and burned. I lose my money. It's more, it's more in line with the banking model that we see. You put the money in the bank, you get interest. Well, here I put the money on a node and I get rewards. It's kind of a similar model, right? So to me, that's really the DeFi moment is providing staking and getting yield from doing that. So you ask the question, right? What, how do you value that network? How do you look at that network? That's what investors, that's what we have to do as investors, as people looking. How big is the network? How fast is it growing? What's its velocity? Is it losing members? How much value is being locked in the network? What's the transaction stream of that network? So all of a sudden we've gone into this world where the way we're looking at these things is we need to be looking at the network itself and what's going on with that network. And that's how we need to evaluate whether or not this thing is, is valuable. Right. Whether this, uh, you know, token that was just minted that has a billion dollar flow and then a, a $10 billion fully diluted valuation, like, you know, making sure that that's legit. And oftentimes it ends up not being because right. that 90% of, you know, non-circulating supplies just getting slowly bled onto the market. And I think what you said is, is really astute about, um, you know, staking it being, you know, that yeah. new model. Um, I, I mean, that's that's what I, I think, you know, we're spending a lot of time in this, um, you know, not to let any of our, uh, you know, cat out of the bag here, uh, <laughs> but we're spending a lot of time on on uh, on staking. And, you know, we're spending a lot of time uh, really looking at the proof of stake models. 
mm-hmm. and what those yields are and how do you provide trust and where the value is in these networks, what networks are growing the fastest, which ones have the highest velocity, throughput, all of those kinds of things. And now there's a big event coming up. It's called the merge, right? I'm sure you heard of it, the Ethereum 2.0 merge. It's going to be all sorts of, uh, you know, it's it's going to reduce the inflation rate uh, of, you know, Ethereum by 90% from 4.3% down to, you know, 43 bips. And we're, we're, we've got this really interesting period of time now um, leading into the merge. What's your hot take on, you know, this transition from proof of work to proof of stake and, and kind of how it's going to go with Ethereum particularly? Uh, I, let, let's just say, I think it's a massive moment for Ethereum. And, you know, one of the things that I've learned is just how powerful, you know, EVM, EVM compliant, the Ethereum ecosystem is. And to move it from work to stake is absolutely a a critical moment. I just think it's seminal. Uh, It's definitely something that you've got to be a part of. Yeah. And, and it's funny because before I can say <laughs> yeah, it's just, you got to be there, right? You it's like that, that moment. Yeah. And it's yeah. funny because some people are kind of writing it off because they say, well, look, you know, Tezos is proof of stake. Cosmos is proof of stake. There's all these smaller networks that have already done it. So it's not anything really new, but I beg to differ with that sort of opinion because not only is this transition wild and, uh, but Ethereum is, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars of network value. It's been around, you know, longer than any of the other, you know, currently proof of stake models. And so, you know, I, I, I think that, you know, full disclosure, I've got a long position in Ethereum. I think it's going to yeah, you know, have a too. great look, end of the year. Look, I, I, we have, I have investments in a lot of non-EVM compliant blockchains. Okay. Uh, and I love them. I love it. And, and real quick, actually, I think maybe some listeners are like non-EVM of Ethereum virtual machine. Right. And non-EVM ones are maybe like Solana or Solana, like- uh, Algorand, Endow, Cosmos, um, right, and yeah. and Hedera, right. Um, so you've got what 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 Ethereum has is tooling, mm-hmm. meaning you can easily put them on exchanges. You can easily connect them to Wallet Connect. You there there you know a developer can put it in a new wallet in ten seconds. Um, it's got the most just, users built in already, the most, the users, most developers, most developers. So you've got this massive ecosystem that everybody's using and you got these problems with gas fees and the economies of it. And, um, and, but, but the tooling is there. So if mm-hmm. I'm building something new, you're at such an advantage to be building it on Ethereum than anything else, because the tooling is there. Yeah. But the problem is your proof of work. So now all of a sudden, I'm using the same tooling, but I'm going proof of stake. That's that's a, that's a big advantage, a big advantage. Now, I know we, we kind of touched on it earlier in, in regards to Bitcoin already being the largest. And do you think that Bitcoin as the largest, the number one, do you think that that is going to stay forever? Or do you kind of have this idea that maybe Ethereum or, or some other one that's not even invented yet? could surpass Bitcoin's market cap, even though Bitcoin is kind of the, the global denominator for crypto trade and, uh, you know, has the largest network effects. Uh, there are, look, there are a lot of Bitcoin maximalists that say, mm-hmm. hey, it, it is and it will be forever. And it's the, you know, it's the only thing that matters. Um, my personal belief is, is that 
Um, the market is so early that I believe that there is, from a probability perspective, there's way more chances than not that Bitcoin is not the predominant uh, currency. I just think that it's just, there, there are more people who don't own crypto than do own crypto by factor of a lot. And so, you know, it's kind of like, um, again, I really play it back to uh, the early days of the internet, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Yahoo and Lycos and Excite. You know, my son's 27. He doesn't know what either, any, all three of those things <laughs> are, right? And Google was number 15, number 14 to, to enter the scene. And they came out, you know, and, but they did it and they did it right. So I guess what I'm trying to say here is, is that it is so early. There's a lot of problems yet to be solved. And we just, we, we just don't know. So I, my, my personal belief is there's more chance than not that Bitcoin won't be. But I'm going to get a lot. Of, I'll get skewered for saying that because there are a lot of people that say Bitcoin maximalists. And by the way, when I say that, I'm also a big Bitcoin holder. So, so you know, I'm you're not, hedging I'm right not, now. I'm hedging. Okay. <laughs> well, I don't have a crystal ball. If I did, uh, you know, it'd be a beautiful thing. Yeah. If I did, uh, you know, I'd be living on Mars or something <laughs> like that. I'd be living on a beach. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, one of the things, you know, I think it's kind of, you know, worth talking about is, is other investment opportunities in crypto outside of just owning tokens. Um, yeah. You know, have you have you uh, dove yeah. into, you know, buying up equity for different yeah. companies that might not even have a token associated with them? And Absolutely. We, we do one of two things as a venture fund. Um, we buy either preferred equity and companies that are doing things in the space or we buy pre-listed uh, tokens generally at a massive discount to when they become listed. And that's our model. Get in early, get in cheap. Uh, and really we're holders. We're not hedge fund, right? So mm -hmm. we're not, we're not, we're not in the position to go, you know, trade our positions every single day. We're, we're holding onto them uh, for the long term, be it preferred equity or um, tokens or both. Yeah. And is there, is there going to like, what does it take, for that moment for your conviction to be shaken in a, in a project, you know, you, you bought, you bought in, you've been holding it for a year. Is there a moment that you could say, okay, you know, I'm going to cut my, cu cut my position in this. Cause I've lost faith. Maybe something happened. Is yeah. you've experienced something like that? You're going to have failures. We've had failures. You have things that just don't work out. They're experiments. They didn't get the market traction the way they were, they thought to, uh, key assumptions were wrong. You know, they didn't get product adoption. There's a variety of reasons why things don't, you know, don't work out. However, the other thing that we've learned is, is that uh, it is early. Uh, things, you know, there are lots of ups and downs. There's lots of volatility in this market. Uh, and you're, if you're really, again, our core belief is long-term, right? Mm -hmm. If this is the largest creation event, value creation event in our lifetime, if this is the early innings and this is where all the value is going to be created, then, you know, you got to, you got to go through the, you got to ride the volatility. Right? It's almost long. like Amazon, right? The early days of Amazon. How many times, how many, you know, how many times did they say Amazon would fail? And More it fell 90%, right? Exactly. Absolutely. The ups and downs, you know, you know, uh, I, I buy Amazon at the IPO, I double my money and I sell it thinking I'm a rock star. Boy, that was a mistake. Right. <laughs> right. 
Right. Um, I bought Amazon at the IPO. I double my money. I triple my money. And then I lost half of it again. And I sell, boy, that was a mistake. Right. right? So, so I think it's, it's. Cause now it's, you know, way up. <laughs> that's right. You know, and look at it, you know, it's, it's just amazing. Right. Uh, what they've done. So I, I guess, I guess what I'm saying is, is that you got to have a more patient long-term view uh, on this. And, yeah. and, you know, that's one of my, I think one of my issues with this market is, is that there's a lot of short term kind of mentality, you know, get totally. rich quick mentality here. And uh, I just think that's quite frankly, short sighted. And, and I think what's, what's great about these sort of bear market corrective type, uh, you know, contracting markets is that it does flush out those weak hands, those short term speculators, the fair weathered investors, who don't have the belief they're not the long-term guys and there's this there's this transfer of of coins or equity or whatever it might be from weak hands to strong hands which sets up a stronger base for a more sustainable run i agree and, and we're seeing it in stocks as well right now i mean i kind of want to round out our discussion looking at you know a zoomed out macro view of the world right now because we're in a a very very kind of unprecedented right that's the word of the year again um time with, you know, stagflation where we've got low growth, we've got massive inflation, um, and we, we, we can't print our way out of it. What, what's your take on where we're at macro wise? Uh, look, I, it, it's, uh, I'm almost stuttering, right. To even talk about it, right. <laughs> we've got inflation through the roof. We're printing money. We can't print our way out of it. Where are yields? How do you get yields? Uh, you could argue that the stock market is overpriced, you know, and, and it's a global, like a global situation here. Yeah. Uh, you know, look at the digital one, right. Uh, mm -hmm. and what's going on in China and, you know, the dollar reserve currency status, there's all kinds of getting you know, called into question. It's, it's totally called into question, right. If you read Ray Dahlia's, uh, you know, book, uh, changing world order, I think it is. Mm -hmm. Uh, so there's a lot to think about here. And I think, um, you know, again, I don't, I don't, I don't have a crystal ball. I, I invest in what I know uh, and what I what I know about uh, and what I can think about uh, and the things that I don't know, I don't touch. Um, I, I'm particularly interested in the yield opportunities in DeFi that are, as we as we said earlier, more proof of stake uh, driven. Right, more rewards driven versus liquidity pool kind of yield mining driven. I think there's a big opportunity there. Uh, you know, if if you're looking for yield, particularly with inflation, right? If you you know you're losing money, okay, yeah. uh, anywhere. And so you know, for me, I think there's a big opportunity in DeFi here uh, to uh, to generate yield. And so I'm I'm particularly excited about that. Awesome. Well, I love it. Um, kind of in closing, uh, how do we, how do we, uh, you know, get uh, Cosimo X uh, kind of to the people, right? People are listening. Yeah, yeah. They're like, wow, I've loved this conversation. Where, where can we send them? Is there a website? Well, yeah. First of all, I'm on Twitter. I'm at Rob Frasca on Twitter. You know, feel free to follow me, DM me, uh, you know, love to chat with folks. Cosmox.com is our fund. We did about 20 deals last year. We're small. We just launched uh, last year. We're just under 30 million. We're evergreen. We're, we're, we're getting a lot of investors coming in, which is pretty nice. Uh, we're getting a lot of really good uh, early deal flow there. 
Um, and uh, yeah, that's probably the two, uh, the two best ways of, uh, of checking us out. Love it. And uh, Cosimo X, tell us about the name. Why is it Cosimo? Okay. So Cosimo Medici is the patron father of the Medici family. They invented banking as we know it. Uh, the general ledger banking system. They were responsible for the Renaissance. They they enlightened the world mm. through the use of what? Creating centralized trust. So when we uh, decided to go after this new trust model, the new banking world, we decided to call the fund Cosimo after Cosimo Medici because what we're about is reinventing banking, reinventing trust in a decentralized network way. So we're kind of playing tribute to the old, old Banco Medici. Love that. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. A nice homage. There you go. <laughs> um, awesome. Well, you know, one of the, one of the last questions we kind of like to ask every guest who comes on this show, um, just, you know, real high level, a lot of the folks who are watching the show, um, you know, they're brand new to crypto or they maybe been in here for a year. Or so what's kind of the, some words of wisdom that you could give, uh, listeners of Crypto 101 as they go about their uh, their crypto journey? So, so first of all, I, I think the question here is not whether you should invest in crypto. The question mm. should be, how could you not? Mm. With a very small allocation into crypto, uh, you're going to affect your sharp ratio, your diversification, and your return overall profile. Uh, and you can do it in a very diversified way. So I, I, would, I would say to you, you know, definitely should look at that. Uh, and most importantly, learn. Treat it as learning. If this is the way the world is changing, if this is what's going on in the world from an overall new financial system, it's really important that you learn. And, and the best way to learn is, is by diving in and uh, experimenting around. And, um, you know, one one kind of one coin at a time, one technology at a time, and really, you know, uh, embrace it. Love it. No, I couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, Rob, thank you so much for coming on the show. We're, oh, we're my excited, about, excited about what you're building, and I definitely want to have you back on the show um, as more deals come down the line, sure. as you guys get more traction and, and all sorts of stuff. I'd love it. I really enjoyed it, Bryce. That was probably the quickest 45 minutes of my life. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone my, at home. I'm in my office here and the lights just shut off in my office here. I was like, whoa. <laughs> Love it. Everyone at home, stay tuned. We got some more guests coming up next week. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.